If you live, work, or visit the South Jersey area, you've likely been touched in some way by Atlanticare. They've been woven into the fabric of our community for 125 years. The largest healthcare organization in our region, Atlanticare has more than 6,500 employees and 100 locations in five South Jersey counties. They recently welcomed new president and CEO, Michael Charlton, and he will be our guest today. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. I am delighted to welcome Michael Charlton to Living Well. Thanks for being here, Michael. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate the time today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So Mike has a master's degree of science and healthcare leadership. He's been a member of the Atlantic Care team for 14 years, serving as board chair since 2017. He has extensive experience in business, finance, and leadership, serving as CEO of Icon Hospitality in Galloway, and as a consultant to many businesses. He has been active on boards of Holy Spirit High School, Stockton University, and more. And side note, he's also my neighbor. <laughs> We've been neighbors for 20-some years, known each other a long time. So congratulations on your new position, Michael. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. Of course. So hospitality, business consultant, and now the healthcare industry. How do you see all of that connecting? Well, you know, I often joke that there's, you know, when we talk about being patient-centered and patient-focused, right, um, and you talk about the needs, you know, most of the time when we're dealing with patients, you're dealing with some of the darkest times in their life, uh, when they're the most scared, they're most vulnerable. Um, and when you talk about the the idea and philosophy of hospitality, what is that, right? That's making sure that we're caring, whether it's our consumers, customers, whether you're in the hotel business, restaurant business, I think when you kind of crosswalk those thought processes, it just means more in healthcare, right? The ability to provide empathy, compassion, uh, make sure that we're going above and beyond in a sense. You know, we all know the great work our physicians and caregivers do around clinical quality. Um, but that extra step here at Atlantic Care, uh, you know, is all about the hospitality that we provide and making sure that uh, the patient is, is treated as whole and the family is taken care of. So, you know, I don't I don't think it's a big crosswalk between my career in hospitality and what we do in healthcare. I can see how they merge together. Well, what what drew you to Atlantic Care? So, you know, it's a great story. It was probably 15, 16 years ago. Um, you know, I was chairman of the board of trustees at Holy Spirit High School. There's a board of trustee that we still have. He's our chairman of our finance committee, a brilliant guy. His name's Michael Walsh. And I drew him to Holy Spirit and put him asked him to be on the board and you know, I kind of fibbed a little bit and said, it's an easy lift. It's four meetings a year and won't be um, won't be a big taker of your time. You know, fast forward five years later, 150 meetings and a big drain <laughs> on his time. And, um, you know, when we had achieved the goals and objectives, we all resigned for a new board to come in. And he said to me, I'm going to ask you for a favor one day. And when I do, you're not going to say no. And, you know, at the time, he asked me to be a part of the Atlantic Care Health System Board. Uh, I tried to say no, I didn't have that opportunity. It kind of came kicking and screaming. But when you get here, you know, you realize that you're here for the mission, but you stay for the people. And, um, you know, I found the work that they did incredibly impactful. Uh, it had deep meaning. It was incredibly impactful to our employees, to our community. And I saw the ability, you know, the organization had to, to really make great change. And, you know, that's kept me engaged through the years and really was the key reason why I pivoted you know, my life's work and my career. You're born and bred 
in Atlantic right. County in Ventnor. So you have deep roots in this community. And I'm sure as all of us, you've seen Atlantic Care grow over the years. It's just been amazing. What do you see as uh, the future for Atlantic Care and what has been going on recently? So, you know, this is a fantastic organization that is built on an incredible foundation. And, you know, I, I think unequivocally what we can say uh, is that Atlantic Care will mean a viably strong independent organization. You know, I believe and this organization believes that all care is local. And, you know, we can debate the point all, all day long about, you know, healthcare mergers and size and scale. Um, but Atlantic Care has an incredibly strong balance sheet, an incredibly strong uh, healthcare workforce, and it's our job and responsibility to take care of this community. And I think we show that every day, not just with the quality of care that we do and, and provide every day, but also with the amount of investment we're making in this community. So right now we have about close to about $100 million of projects going on at the mainland campus. We have an expansion on the ambulatory side of the business and specialty and subspecialty, our primary care. We're working on the access challenges, which aren't necessarily an Atlantic care challenge, it's a health care challenge uh, across this country. We all know that there's a nursing shortage, there's a provider shortage, and we know all the background to a lot of those challenges. But, you know, this organization um, has always been very, uh, very much at the forefront of solving those things. And, uh, you know, we're working hard to get some of those things done very quickly. You mentioned the workforce. You've been involved in health leadership on a national level as a member of the boards of, of trustees of the American Hospital Association. And now you serve on a national committee focused on healthcare, the healthcare workforce. What are some key takeaways that you bring to Atlantic Care? We know how important our healthcare workforce is. We all realized it over the pandemic, how vital they are to all of us. What are some takeaways that you bring to Atlantic Care? That's a great question, Robin. And I think it really fits into what you and your show and what your career has been about. You know, when we talk about living well, right, it, there is no doubt that we have a workforce challenge in healthcare. And a lot of industries have workforce challenges right now. That being said, in healthcare, what is acutely different is that we have a work challenge, right? So, you know, to the common you know, to the people out there who are patients and are frustrated with how healthcare is delivered, it, you know, I think the complexity of it all is something that is really troubling to a lot of people. So when I look at our workforce and the challenges we have, especially post-COVID, you know, I say, yes, we have a workforce problem, but we also have a work problem. We have piled on so much work to our caregivers, physicians, nurses, techs, CSRs. And a lot of that comes, you know, strictly because how the healthcare system in this country is designed. You know, when things aren't working well, we like to blame the hospital and the health system and the caregivers. But the reality is that, you know, we don't make up a lot of the rules, right? It's an intensely mm -hmm. regulatory, uh, it has an intense regulatory environment. Um, we have a third party payer. I like to say sometimes that we don't have a we don't have a revenue problem. We have a denial problem. You know, we get 20% of these charges that we put out there in trying to deliver great care that get denied. We just don't get paid, right? And that all trickles down. And then you put the fact that we have to keep a workforce and make sure that their health, their well-being, their financial, spiritual, emotional, we have to take care of all those things because it's incredibly challenging to provide emotional support and empathy every single day to our patients and not take care of our workforce. And that takes resources, a large amount of resources. So, 
you know, the workforce is priority one, you know, like we, we like to talk about all the time is, you know, what's the priority today and it's workforce, workforce, workforce. Um, you know, so I'm not sure anybody has the answer to it, but we are working diligently every day to try to figure it out. But that was my next question. What's the fix to all of this? This is a huge problem to overcome uh, how uh, healthcare is accessed and also a shortage in the workforce. What is the reason for that? Well, I think the reasons, you know, it's it's multifaceted, right? Um, if you, it, I'm not going to kid anybody and say that we didn't have this problem prior to COVID. I think we've had it for 10 or 15 years. I think it's been manageable from an organizational standpoint and a system standpoint across this country, right? And I think when you get into healthcare, I know in this organization, you have almost 7,000 people that are purpose-driven. They're so dedicated to what they do. Um, and they do that to the detriment of themselves for a long time. Now, COVID put that at a whole nother level. And what I like to say all the time is that we've asked healthcare workers to be resilient, right? And I think people are built to be resilient for pockets of time, but nobody in history has been asked to be resilient for three or four years. And that has weighed on our healthcare workforce. You know, our solution, you know, there is no simple one, one style of approach, but I think first and foremost, what we've taught the leadership now, and we've kind of retrenched ourselves in the work is to say, number one, you have to be visible and you have to be kind and you have to be supportive and we have to be listening, right? The solutions aren't going to be created from, from my office or a leadership team. It's going to be created and co-created along with the workforce. I think that's the first part. The second part is we have to look at medical education and nursing education. We have to look at the cost of that, the burden that the cost of that education places on nurses, clinicians, right? It's nice that we want to pay off the debts, right? But that's a short-term fix. We do that now. But then the problem still will increase as we move forward. So there has to be some some federal intervention on how we're educating our workforce and how we do that cost effectively, not to burden them with that. And then I think lastly, we have to think differently, right? We all talk about it's a new generation. These kids is usually the line, don't want to work like we work. And what I would say is, what if they're right, right? Maybe we had it all wrong for a long time, you know? We put a lot of pressure on clinicians and, and our nurses and, you know, our techs. And what if they're right? You know, how do we redesign the work to make sure, you know, that they have work-life harmony, that they can have purpose-driven work and deliver the care that's expected, but they have the healing and the self-awareness to know that I, I can't extend myself anymore. So, you know, we have a ton of programs that we're working on, but I think the key thing is that everybody's at the table co-creating what this looks like. You mentioned some of the issues with the workforce, but of course we all know that there are a lot of issues with accessing healthcare, with uh, insurance, so many problems for people in our local community and throughout the country. Where are we going with that? Because it's, the problem seems to be growing and it's not going away. I agree. I think it's, you know, we can jump right off the workforce issue, right? We're not producing enough primary care physicians. We're not producing enough urologists, nurses, physicians in general. Um, it goes on and on and on, right? And then you figure from a national perspective, we have more people turning 65 than we ever have at any time in history. And those people who are aging out, 
um, you know, there's a difference between lifespan and health span, right? So we have all this technology, we have all these resources, and we have more people who are aging out consuming more resources with comorbidities, and it's draining the system. You put that into play with, we have a payment system, um, you know, with insurance companies. You know, most hospitals in this country are losing money. That's a fact. You know, we, we get we get blamed for a lot of the cost in the system. But the reality is when you look at some of the biggest payers in this country, you know, I think United Healthcare just posted six billion dollars of profit in the last quarter. They're they're gonna post thirty billion dollars of profit. And that's a health insurance company, right? Um so they're not helping us with the access challenges and they're not helping us drive some of this change. And at the end of the day, you know, the health system's a price taker. We're not a price maker. You know, we we have to accept what we're paid on some things. And I think that charges, it puts some really critical challenges in front of us um, in regards to access. We know that patient access um, is a major problem. You know, technology is going to solve some of it. AI may help. I think it's a little unproven. Um, but right now, it's, it's all hands on deck figuring out how do we create better access for our patient population because it's just the right thing to do. Absolutely. And on that note, you have also played a huge role in wellness. It's not just sick care, it's well care. And I, you know, that's me. That's been my whole background. That's been my whole philosophy of my life. Do everything we can to try to maintain our health and stay healthy. And I know Atlantic Care is really focused on that as well. We are, and it kind of it kind of reaches out to our social determinant work. If you think back, you know, years ago, um, Atlanticare was one of the first health systems to build out. You know, we call it the Life Center, but it's a fitness facility, right? We believe deeply that food is medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So, how do we educate the general population on you know what is sustainable as far as good eating habits, nutrition, you know, physical physical activity, right? I don't necessarily have to be in the gym three hours, but getting up three times a week to walk a half a mile or be outside, you know, kind of progressing those type of behaviors. The reality in all healthcare, and I think this is what shock a lot of people, is that if you look across the continuum of what keeps an individual and a community healthy. 25% of that, if you took a picture of somebody's body, which would go up to about your knees, that's healthcare, right? Even the best healthcare delivers 25% of the outcomes. The rest of it is really the social determinants of health. Do I have a primary care doctor? What is my dietary uh, perspective looks like? You know, am I physically active? Do I not smoke? Do I not drink? There's a, there's a ton of it. That's 75% of what goes into the health status of an individual. So, you know, as far as the medicine and the clinical part that we provide, which is critically important because everybody, you know, is, is eventually going to have something to deal with medically. It's how does the organization really reach out with people like you to, to create wellness behaviors, right? Patterns of wellness. Um, so we can mitigate some of those things before you end up in the four walls of our health system. And that is a huge challenge. I know that because it starts, it I is. think, when people are younger. It starts with their family and it starts with your your, as you said, your your social or uh, background. There's so much that goes into it, and I know Atlantic Care is focused on trying to find out what factors determine someone's health care and getting to people early in life before uh, their habits are already formed. We do, and that's why we're in the schools. We're out there educating. We hold clinics. We hold screenings. We have the food pantry. We're working aggressively in Atlantic City to make sure that we can get 
uh, a supermarket there and we don't just have the bodegas that are providing um, a lower quality of food, right? Fast mm -hmm. foods, trans sure. fats, those things. So it, it's an intensive piece of work. Sam Kiley is our vice president of community health and social impact. She works on this every day. Um, and, and it's a challenge, but I think we're chipping away at it, slow and short. Absolutely. I know you are. And final question. Organizations often take their cue from the leaders at the top. You're now the new leader of Atlantic Care. What message do you want to send to your 6,500 plus employees about your vision for Atlantic Care and where things are going in the future? You know, I've been here uh, unofficially since April 16th in this role. And, you know, just recently I was appointed permanent. But my message has been consistent and clear. You know, the internal message um, is always the same, right? Be visible, be kind, be empathetic. Um, make sure that, that we hear each other. Uh, and we're all working towards the same goal, which is to make sure that the health and well-being of this community is taken care of, because that is our responsibility. Um, you know, and I think for the general community and the world out there, you know, we're focused on Vision 2030. It's a six-year plan. It's billions of dollars of investment in this health system, in this community. And, you know, at the end of the day, Robin, what I would say to you is, um, you know, this is our community. Atlantic Care takes care of this community. We want to make sure that nobody ever has to leave this community for any type of care. Um, and I think over the next six years, you're going to see that we're going to we're going to deliver on that challenge. We're going to be able to deliver world class care in all the specialties, subspecialties, and no one will ever have to leave this community. The overarching goal is that we're going to have an in migration that people in the tri-state area are going to realize the gem that is here in South Jersey and they're going to want to come here for care. We have a lot of people that are summer residents and there's no reason to leave this health system for anything. So we're working on that every day. And I know that this team of almost 7,000 uh, team members, they deliver on that promise every day. Very inspirational message. And I thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Robin, I appreciate the time, and I am sure that I will see you walking or running sometime today or tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure. More walking <laughs> than running these days, <laughs> but still out there. <laughs> thank you so much, Michael Charlton, President and CEO of Atlantic Air. And thank you for joining me for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Hope you'll subscribe and follow me, and I will keep you posted on my most recent episode. Until I see you next time, keep living well.